The Daily Tap is live for Monday. It is July 17th. We're going to talk about the Brewers' statement sweep over the Cincinnati Reds. We're also going to talk about their work needed at first base. We're going to explore options there. And then lastly, we're going to talk about why everybody needs to enjoy Milwaukee's culture. We'll get into that at the very end. Uh, Back with you after a slight hiatus. I will be honest with you. This is not uh, a little rough uh, in terms of a bachelor party. Three days of heavy drinking, man, at 34, almost 35 is not recommended. I will tell you that much. I was such a bag of shit yesterday. Uh, and so I apologize. Getting this out late, uh, realize that that usually doesn't bode well for our numbers. But maybe we can change that. Maybe we can change the momentum. Maybe we can prove the haters wrong. Uh, I know everybody's hyped up about the Brewers right now, as you should be. Uh, and if you enjoy what we're doing on the pod, make sure you're following on social. Tap the keg on Twitter, tap the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Uh, also on Facebook, also on threads. Threads, man. Talk about something that everybody got really excited about, and now it's just kind of like there. Like, I don't know. I haven't looked at it in probably three weeks, two weeks. I don't know. Just too much shit. I, I said that last week. Uh, I, I meant it. So there's that. Uh, also, subscribe to the podcast. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify. It's wherever else you get your pods. Overcast, uh, Podbay. Uh, I don't think anyone's used Podbay. I used Podbay. I uh, used to when I was like at the offices and I wanted to listen on my computer and not drain my phone battery. I don't. It's a. It's a good one. It has like all. You just search like well, it's part of my take. Bill Simmons. Uh, I am doing ad reads for everybody else now here, and as well as Tiffany Cake Sports. So there you go. Uh, so yeah, look forward to that uh, pod schedule before we get going, just so you guys have it. Uh, we're going to be doing today, tomorrow, we'll have off on Wednesday, then Mitch and I, Tiffany Cake on Thursday, as we have been doing uh, pretty consistently here, and then I'll have me for Friday. So that'll be, that'll be the show schedule, kind of back to normal, if you will. Uh, that's kind of usually how we like it. I think that's how... Kind of, I'm looking at it going forward, uh, but you know, obviously, sometimes shit changes and life gets in the way, which happens. So there, there's all of that. All right, so let's get into the Milwaukee Brewers and their big weekend. The Milwaukee Brewers swept the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, it was a great, great sweep for the Milwaukee Brewers. They set the tone for the rest of the year, not only against the Reds but the NL Central and frankly the National League. And the Brewers really established themselves as the best team in the National League Central this weekend. The Brewers have won eight out of 10 games against Cincinnati Reds. They won a demoralizing one nothing baseball game on that Friday where Cornburn struck out 13. And we're gonna talk more about the pitching. And then they win again, three nothing on Saturday. And if it wasn't for an infield single and a bad third, missed third strike call, the Brewers would have had a no-hitter in that game. The Brewers were that good in terms of their pitching on, on Saturday. And then on Sunday, they come from behind. It's a getaway day for the Brewers. Like they're Well, not actually a getaway day because they're traveling to Philadelphia. But they have a day off tomorrow. They could have easily just punted it, said, all right, we're down 3-0. We've already won the series. Like, whatever. It's fine. No, they come back. They win that game 4-3. to and they sweep the Reds. And it's just demoralizing for Cincinnati. Cincinnati knew they needed the one on, on Sunday. They brought in their closer to try to you know keep this game tied. They, he couldn't. Uh, Andrew Monasterio drives in the go-ahead run. Uh, it, it has to be demoralizing right now for the Reds who have fallen back to earth. And this is what baseball can do to you. It can chew you up and spit you out. It is a roller coaster. You know, Mitch, 
always talks about that when we do tabbing the keg and we talk brewers is you just have these peaks and valleys throughout the year. And for the brewers right now, it's a peak. Now, will there be valleys? Sure, right? It's not always going to be perfect. But the brewers have hit their stride again. And, and I think sort of part of it is I think they've changed their approach a little bit at the plate. I think they're more contact focused, less focused on home runs. I think the home runs will happen. I think the performance of the pitching has really you know paid off. I think the offense knows they need to get their ass in gear. Craig Council even called them out even after the Friday win. Uh, so I, I do think that there's still work to be done, right? This team is a few steps away from having a real conversation of can they compete with the Braves in October? Uh, by the way, if you want to know a tab the keg topic already for Thursday, we will talk Brewers and Braves, um, which is a big series in my opinion. Like I, I think this is a that's a huge barometer, huge checkpoint in the year uh, upcoming this weekend. So, but I, I want to stay on the sweep and stay on the fact that now they're two games up in the NL Central. They're 10 games over 500. It's the highest they've been all season. Uh, they have not been 10 games over 500. We kind of talked about uh, a couple weeks ago how the Brewers couldn't break through that like six, that six game over, right? They they can't break over that six games over 500. It seemed like whenever they would get there, they'd lose some games and then they would be back near 500. Now the Brewers are at 10 games and now you're now you're in a really good spot, right? If Even if the Reds were to get hot again, right? And they were to go crazy and win like you know 16 to 24 games like they just did the brewers are sitting at basically the wild card spot with the arizona dimebacks now they don't have a tiebreaker over the dimebacks dimebacks you know beat them i think four out of six so they they do not have a tiebreaker against the dimebacks but they are right at the wild card you know cusp which is good which is exactly where you want to be uh, they have the Phillies this week, which is a big series from that wild card tiebreaker, right? And you'll play them again in on Labor Day weekend, I believe, in Milwaukee. So to get, if you could get that series and get at least a couple of the tiebreakers there, because you don't have a tiebreaker against the Giants. Uh, the Giants own the Brewers as well. Brewers have struggled against the NL West besides the, the San Diego Padres, uh, which you know is just a weird thing of this season, right? But if you look at wild card right now. The Brewers are, yeah, right there at 52 and 42, which is what the Diamondbacks are. You have the Phillies, you have the Reds, and then you have the Marlins. Now, you haven't played the Marlins this season, and you have don't have tiebreakers against the Giants or Diamondbacks, as we stated. So if you could get the Marlins and Phillies, then even if the Reds fucking go on a tear again, you're still in a really good position. You're still in a really good spot. But let's continue on to sort of move back to this, the series itself and talk about some of the highlights from this statement sweep. The Milwaukee Brewers were really led by their pitching. And the pitching has, I don't know if I go as far to say it's right, right at the ship, right? Uh, but the play of Corbin Burns recently has been stellar. Uh, Corbin Burns is back to what he used to be. Uh, Corbin Burns has finally you know, gotten out of this stubborn period of needing to throw the cutter on two strikes and the, and the pitching coaches have obviously been trying to get through to him to say you can't keep throwing the cutter you can't keep throwing the cutter they're sitting on the cutter for the second out and Corbin Burns is you know throwing different pitches he had a ton of swings on his curveball on Friday night and 13 strikeouts is in six innings mind you is incredible and i wonder uh, burns was at 100 so i don't know if he would have went seven but he didn't have a big inning right he was as good as it gets on on friday and if that's the version of corbin burns you're going to get in the second half 
the the conversation, the ceiling about the Milwaukee Brewers is entirely different. And I don't know if the stubbornness change happened when Burns met with Matt Arnold, which was a story over the weekend that he went out to lunch with Matt Arnold as well as with Wade Miley. And Matt Arnold told him at that lunch that he wasn't going to get traded. Now, this is a diversion, I think, from David Stearns. And it's, it's really refreshing to see. Uh, and the fact that Corbin Burns got that boat of confidence. And then if you look, that was a Pittsburgh game where he sort of changed up his pitch, pitch type. Uh, and then, you know, the starts going forward, the Cincinnati start at Miller Park, then the Cincinnati start here. So since then, Corbin Burns has seemingly been a different pitcher, which is very interesting, which makes you wonder, like, did he think he was going to get traded? Did, did Was he kind of spiting the Brewers a little bit? Like, I, I know I was hard on Corbin Burns at times, and obviously something changed. And it's it seems like it's correlated, uh, but maybe that's a little tinfoil hatty of me. Freddy Peralta had arguably his best start of the season. Freddy Peralta has really, really struggled on the road this season. And Freddy had an awesome start. He allowed one hit. He struck out six batters, six innings, did not have a big inning, did not give up a home run. That has been a big issue for Freddy Peralta this season. And it did not happen in this game. And similarly to Burns, if you get this version of Freddy Peralta, the Brewers are a very different team. The Brewers are not just a good team in the NL Central or the best team in the NL Central. They are a borderline World Series contender. If you have Peralta and Burns going like this, assuming Woodruff comes back and is healthy and pitching like Brandon Woodruff, the Brewers are a very, very dangerous team. So credit to Freddie Peralta for you know making some adjustments you know, bef- you know, after the All-Star break. It obviously worked. Hopefully, this is not just a flash in a pan. Hopefully, it's not just a one-time thing. Obviously, going to be very tough for him in his next start against Atlanta. That That is a homer-friendly team. You're playing at Miller Park. It'll likely be warm. It'll likely be hot. And that that could that could be some issues. But yeah, two, two, hit, two walks, six strikeouts, really good stuff from Fred. The bullpen was incredible. Uh, the bullpen has been the story of the Brewer season. Uh, they really, I know I did Devin Williams and I did Pionis as part of the winners when we did the podcast last week, but the bullpen in general should have probably got some more acknowledgement because they are all good. Like Williams, three saves. He pitched on three straight days, which is something he hasn't done since last year. He hadn't done this season. Devin Williams told Craig Council that he wanted to get a save if there was an opportunity. And Craig Council listened to him. Craig Council said, all right, man, all right, we trust you. Your body feels good. Go out there and give it. And he sure as hell did. And we'll see if he'll be able to be available for Tuesday. But yeah, Devin Williams, man, has been as good as it gets. And he's been better than Hater this season. Uh, the Brewers, you know, the Hater trade, the execution again, and we've said it a hundred times, it, it was not good. It hurt the clubhouse. That said, the Brewers knew they had this in Devin Williams. And they knew that Devin Williams could be this guy. And sure enough, he is coming through and delivering uh, for the crew. Elvis Pagaro, Joel Alpiamis were very special in this series as well. Uh, they basically held the fort over for you know Williams. And they've become really reliable bullpen hours. Piamis has been great. Uh, he just does not seem to give up any runs. Uh, he is as has developed himself as the eighth inning guy. Remember, part of the second second generation of the hater trade came over with William, uh, William Contreras 
in the deal for Asturi Ruiz uh, back in, in December. And Payamas is really showing out for the crew. Uh, they really figured out how to work his slider. And he's been very, very tough as that eighth inning guy, as sort of the second in command when it comes to saving games. Uh, really good stuff from Payamas. And Hobie Milner deserves some credit too. He went two innings you know, on Sunday. He's not necessarily, I think he's like, they, the Brewers, like, media called him the B squad of the relievers. I would put Hobie as, like, an AB, right? Like, I, I didn't have that at school, but I know that some schools do, like, AB in terms of grades. Like, that's Hobie Milner. Because, like, he can be part of that A squad and come in and get an out or get, you know, mow down a couple of lefties. But he also can be a guy that you use for multiple innings. And he showed that on Sunday and was able to sort of save the bullpen. And the bullpen really didn't have you know, to use a lot of their guys, which is really helpful. With that good pitching, the Brewers also shut down Ellie De La Cruz. Ellie De La Cruz was 0 for 12 in this in this series. The Brewers have figured him out already. Uh, gotta give them credit for finding a book on Ellie and really keeping him at bay. Uh, you know, the excitement over De La Cruz is warranted and you want to pump up young stars, but the Brewers have figured him out and they deserve a lot of credit for that. And that hopefully uh, that's something that other teams are able to take and use and that helps the Brewers in the long term that they keep the Reds offense down because I know teams that are playing Cincinnati going forward are going to study what the Brewers did especially how they how they're pitching Ali De La Cruz because they've obviously unlocked something uh, and that's a huge huge thing you know going forward not only for him but also for the Reds and even for the Brewers when they play them you know next week. Christian Yelich picked up where he left off. Yelich now at 286, 13 home runs. Uh, he had the leadoff home run on Saturday, which really set the tone. You know, it's a one nothing game. The Reds obviously know they had to have it. They know that the Brewers win that game. It's a tiebreaker. Yelich immediately first pitch hits a home run. And the Brewers also now 4-1 and against lefties. Uh, Andrew Abbott, again, struggled against the Brewers. Uh, so that's that's really good. And that's starting to really you know make you think that this team is a little bit more than just above average. And that's great. And William Contreras has become this one-two punch with Yelich at the top of the order. Yelich, uh, or Contreras has, is batting now 272 with 10 home runs, nearly a 900 OPS. I think it's 899. And he's currently on a 10-game hitting streak. He has not uh, ha he's not had a game this July where he hasn't had a hit. He's been 427, two home runs, 18 hits in the month of July. I, I'm not saying I was the one that advocated for it. I think I was thinking it. I don't know if I ever got it onto a podcast, but Contreras moving up to the second spot has been, I think, unlocked a lot of things for the Milwaukee Brewers. And I think just as long as Willie Adamas can, you know, figure it out. And he's, you know, he had, he's had some moments uh, the last couple of weeks I think if Willie can kind of be more of a 230, 240 hitter, and he's now gonna see some better pitches because I think teams are gonna really struggle with what to do with the Yelich-Contreras combination. It's a very difficult way to start a game. It's The Brewers can jump on you really quick. They can also you know, make sure that they're, even in, you know, starting with Weimer or starting with Terang at nine or eight, like they they still have you know options to you know make a beginning to create something even with two outs and Adamas is going to be vital and also why they really need a cleanup hitter and we'll talk about that here uh, very shortly. Now the two week stretch uh, we kind of alluded to it but this is a massive stretch for the Brewers uh, with Philadelphia on the road starting tomorrow and then Atlanta 
and then coming home to play Cincinnati and then back uh, out to play Atlanta, you know, the following weekend. The Brewers need to find a way to be six and six in this. Um, I'm really, I know that might sound like loser talk. We're like, oh, hey, just 500 baseball for the next week, two weeks. But I, I mean it. Uh, Philadelphia's been playing pretty good baseball. Uh, they've sort of figured some shit out uh, after, you know, sort of the lull maybe of losing the World Series. They've been a lot better. So the Brewers are going to need, you know, to to see what they can do. They, Citizens Bank Ballpark's one of those places. And again, this is one of those things as a fan, you never really have stats on it. But you just feel like the Brewers never play well at Citizens Bank Park. Uh, and Atlanta is, you know, to me, the best team in baseball uh, by far. So how do, you, how do you compete against the best team in baseball two weekends in a row? Um, I, I think that's a great test for them. And then how do you, you know, not let down? Like, let's say they sweep the Braves, which is obviously would be incredible, right? Would be an awesome, you know, thing to talk about next Monday. But how do you not let down against the Reds, a team you've beat eight out of ten times? There could be this false sense of confidence. And you know Cincinnati is going to want to try to make something happen. And especially if the Brewers, like, or the inverse, right? If you get swept by Atlanta or Atlanta beats you two out of three at home and you have a bad series against Philadelphia and all of a sudden you're going into that Cincinnati series limping like two out of your last four, one out of your last five, uh, how do you sort of respond to that and, you know, sort of make sure that you still, you know, are not losing that stranglehold on the NL Central, even though you have the tiebreaker. So this is a big week. Um, this is a big week, big two weeks for the Milwaukee Brewers. And it's imperative that, you know, they keep it, keep it rolling. We'll have to see, you know, if Julio Tehran against Aaron Nola on Tuesday night, which is quite the bait disadvantage in terms of the pitching matchup on Wednesday, you have, let's see here. Wednesday, you have, if I can get it, you have Brewers have TBD and Christopher Sanchez, and then you have Tywin Walker uh, for the afternoon game on Thursday. So we'll have to sort of see what it all sort of transpires. 11.35, early start uh, Thursday, elite day of work from home because you get, not only do you get an 11.30 Brewer game, but you also have the Open Championship. It's a perfect day. Guarantee you I will be very fucking busy that day because that's, you know, because heaven forbid, you know, you, you know, you get you get all the nice things, right? So let's talk about the Brewers' first base issues uh, that are currently plaguing them, though, as we move on. Milwaukee Brewers had a first base problem, and they've had probably one for a little bit now, but it got worse over the weekend when Robbie Telez was fielding fly balls, you know, part of conditioning training. He jams his finger into the wall, basically rips the nail bed off and breaks the tip of his ring finger. Uh, sounds like an absolutely brutal injury. Like, does not sound fun. I know it's only a three to four week injury, but fuck, that had to hurt. Like, there's nothing about that that doesn't sound like it didn't hurt. And obviously, wish Rowdy would have been more careful. Um, understand that, you know, what Craig Council said was that really wasn't horseplay. He wasn't fucking around out there. He was actually trying to get that work in. Uh, but still, like, man, oh, man, does that, that suck? Because now you're at a position where you have Owen Miller at first base. And while it's a good story and everybody loves Owen Miller, Owen Miller has not been, you know, the same guy we saw him met, right? And... He isn't a first baseman by trade. He's more of a utility guy. He's more of a 
can come in, play second base, play third base. Obviously now with Brian Anderson's injury too, and the back stuff gave him a lot of a lot of issues last year. You know, is this just a hey, we're being precautious, or is Anderson's back flaring up again on him? And we're not really going to see much of him. And then Miller is actually needed more at third base than he is at first base. I, I don't know. We'll have to see. But it's imperative for the Brewers to try to find a first baseman that can play. And that's going to be a challenge because I, I don't think the market is that great for first baseman. And I, I think we need to temper our expectations a little bit, right? Uh, the Brewers could you know, try to shoot for the moon and get an Eloy Jimenez. Now, Eloy has years of control left. I think it would cost you, you know, one of the big names, whether it's Quiro, whether it's Black, whether it's, I don't think it's real, but I was going to say, I was like, no, no. But Ethan Small might be in that. Uh, maybe Robert Gasser, right? I, I think you're going to have to give up some big-ass prospects to get Jimenez. I really do. Uh, just with him having multiple years of control left and the White Sox not really saying he's available. I think guys like Giolito, guys like Lance Lynn are more in the available, Tim Anderson, more in the available category than uh, a guy like Jimenez or even Andrew Vaughn, who's 25 years old. He's a young guy. He'd obviously be very exciting, uh, exciting option for the Brewers. But again, a ton of control, a huge package would probably be needed. And I, I don't think that's what the Brewers want to do. Uh, I think the Brewers need to manage, you know, the idea of we could get, you know, a little bit better offensively, but let's not sell our souls for it because what we have upcoming could really be, you know, this next generation of Brewers baseball. But we don't have an established first baseman for the future. I think with Rowdy's struggles this year, you can't bank on Rowdy Telez being your first baseman of the future. Uh, I, I, at least I, I can't. Uh, and so what do the Milwaukee Brewers do? How are they able to balance the fact that they need a first baseman, they need you know some power, but they also don't want to mortgage the future? How do they do that? Well, I think there are options. I don't think they're as good as we'd like them, as I kind of mentioned uh, at the start here. But like CJ Crone is an option that I, I, I see as really the top option uh, from the fact that he's cheap. He is going to be a free agent after this season. He has huge power, especially against lefties. Uh, and he would hit a lot of home runs in American Family Field. Like he would, he just would. And that would be very exciting, I think, for all involved parties. I know he's a little more of a walk, strikeout, home run guy. And that can sometimes rub people the wrong way. Uh, it's kind of what I think the Brewers have moved off from. But having Crone as your fourth hitter, you know, every day is pretty solid. And I think he's, I haven't looked if he's a little more DH than he is first base, but still regardless, like having that option versus Jesse Winker, Brian Anderson when healthy or somebody else is, is pretty solid. Will Miller uh, hitting fourth and CJ Crone just immediately changes in terms of your power dynamic. And when Rowdy's healthy again, maybe Rowdy goes to first base and Crone's then your, then your DH, who knows? But I, I think that could really, you know, benefit the Milwaukee Brewers. But the only problem here is Rockies are bizarre. They just, they do not trade their guys. Uh, and they do, they ask for weird options. I don't know. They, everyone thought last year they were going to move Airman Marquez. Uh, they didn't. I think then he gets hurt like two weeks later. And it, they just are very weird about how they handle contracts, how they handle players. So I don't know. Maybe they're thinking about keeping Crone long-term. I would think with Nolan Jones uh, kind of there. I know he's he's still in the lineup with Crone. But I would, I would wonder why would you need Crone? And so could the Brewers, you know, make a move there for him and really get a power bat that not only can handle lefties better than what they have, but also could help you out of that first base hole. 
Hemir Candelario plays some first base, good against lefties, a solid option, right? He, you know, he has some issues in terms of making contact, can get some strikeouts, but can be a vitals, you know, top of the order type of guy. I don't know if I'd really consider him a cleanup option. I think with what the Brewers have, you'd say, yeah, sure. Maybe you'd move Candelario third and have Adamas hit more in that cleanup role. But I do think Candelario could be a, a very cheap option, uh, right? Another guy who has, you know, is, would be a rental um, and would be a free agent after next season. Uh, and I, I think that's a that's one you could put on the on the table, if you will. Brent Rooker, uh, to me, feels when you read it like his profile. It's a little Oakland Keston Hurry, right? If we're if we're being honest, if we're keeping it one hundred. Rooker had this awesome April and really hasn't returned to form since. Uh, it might be worth a flyer just to see, hey, can this guy can this guy find something? You know, he's 29 years old. I don't think it would be that expensive to get Brent Rooker. I don't think Brent Rooker is part of the A's future. Uh, I think, you know, they and they have, you know, prospects and things like that. So could the Brewers, you know, flip something for Rooker? Could they honestly do a Brent Rooker for Kesson Hero deal? I don't know. Um, it would be interesting to see, you know, what, what the package would look like for him. He also plays a little bit of outfield too. So you have that, you know, kind of versatility that the Brewers always, you know, seem to love and cherish. Uh, so yeah, maybe, maybe Brent Rooker is a real option for the Milwaukee Brewers as well. Uh, another one that I don't really like, cause I don't, I'm not a huge fan of retreads and he's old, but he's had a decent year is Mike Moustakas. Uh, he's played a lot of first base this season. Uh, I with the familiarity uh, team wise, I could see the Brewers exploring it. Just knowing what they get out of Mike Moustakas, they seem to go back to well. I mean, who could forget? You know, trading for Jordan Lyles, I think twice. Um, not this year, right? <laughs> Jordan Lyles has been terrible. Uh, but Mike, you know, could they go back to the well with Moustakas? Obviously, the Angels are more in a sell mode than they were when they actually traded for Moustakas. And you know, what would that? What would that? That would probably be nothing, right? They probably like cash considerations to get Mike Moustakis. I'd prefer something else. Like if they came away from the deadline and they only got Mike Moustakis, I'd be pretty fucking upset. I'm not gonna lie to you. Carlos Santana is one that I'm interested in. Uh, probably not because it's a rival of the Brewers. But if there was an in-division first baseman to go to the Brewers, I think it's the Pirates. And I think it's Santana. Because A, Santana doesn't have that big of a contract. B, Santana can, you know, he's a little more, you know, in that crone area of walk, strikeout, home run. But still, like he can get hot, he can he can mash, you know, to the left on the left side, a switch hitter. But more of his power is on the left-handedness, and you know that short portion left and right really benefits those left-handed hitters. And could see Santana really, you know, being an option that again another low-cost option. It's just a matter of would Pittsburgh want to deal with the Milwaukee Brewers. I think it's more likely than you know guys like Paul Goldschmidt or Cody Ballinger. I don't think those are real options for the Brewers. Um, I, I just, I truly, truly think that the Cubs and Cardinals are not going to want to do business with the Brewers. Um, and I, and I don't know if the Brewers want to do business with them. Like if you give them a prospect, you know the prospects that it would take to get Goldschmidt. I think it wouldn't take as much to get Ballinger, but I, I think the idea of of that is a real dangerous one to play, right? It's a very, it's like always going to be in the back of your mind is that you gave up, like, let's just, we we talk about Goldschmidt on the pot, so let's do Ballinger. Like, let's say the Cubs wanted Gasser, 
for 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 Ballinger, or they wanted you know maybe a single A or high A guy that's pitching well, but maybe not in that top of the prospects. I, I haven't looked at the Brewers' top thirty prospects. I don't know like you know the big names you always you always remember, and then you you forget about some of the other guys that are there. You know the Antoine Kellys of the world, right? That got traded to the Texas Rangers for uh, Matt Bush, which turned out to be a pretty rough deal. Like let's say they wanted Carlos Rodriguez, who's got a lot of hype, right? Pitch for the uh, Nicaraguan team. He's in he's in uh, high A right now with the Mudcats. Uh, would they, you know, would that be okay for the Brewers? Would the Brewers want to do something like that? Uh, would they want to give up, you know, a guy like Cam Robinson, who's in Double A, who hasn't really been pitching well, but still, you know, in that top thirty, top thirty prospect, you know, there? Uh, would they give up a Justin Jarvis, who's right now in Triple A, you know, pitching? Like, is that is that a guy that they would give up to the Chicago Cubs? Obviously, I think the big names, your Chirio, your Freelick, your Quiro, your Mizorowski, your Tyler Black, those that, that big five, I do not think is getting moved for anybody. I think, I just think that's not the thing the Brewers should do. I think all those guys have real potential to contribute next year or the year after. And I don't know if the Brewers want to waste that opportunity. So I don't think Ballinger is a real option. I, I think maybe a little more than Goldschmidt, but yeah, I would be shocked. Um, also, Pete Alonso gets the fuck out. Like we talked about that before, but Pete Alonso bears repeating. Pete Alonso is the face of this franchise, face of that franchise in the New York Mets, and I do not see them trading Pete Alonso. So we don't we don't even need to uh, to go go any further with the uh, Pete Alonso conversation. But oh, also another one that I've sort of I, I would love, but I don't think the, the Red Sox are going to deal Justin Turner. Uh, I just don't I don't see it. I, I think the Red Sox are actually you know creeping around the playoffs. And I think they're playing really good baseball right now. So I, it's hard for me to see the Red Sox as sellers. I think two weeks ago, we were like, oh yeah, the Red Sox are going to sell off. Now I, I think they're in it. I think they're actually, would not surprise me if they're buyers, right? So I, I think anyone hoping that, you know, whether it's the Red Sox relief, uh, rotation or some of their, your offensive guys, the only guy I could see getting moved is Adam Duvall, who I'd have some interest in because he mashes lefties. But I guess it's like where you put Duvall. Duvall would probably be your DH. And he doesn't DH as often as I thought he does. Uh, but he would probably be your DH and you'd replace Jesse Winker. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Winker. Uh, another kind of uh, not great weekend for him. So it's like how much longer can you go with Jesse Winker? Uh, which is an entirely different discussion. And maybe we'll have this week. We'll see. All right. Let's move on to a Chuck's Corner topic and talk about Harley and embracing, you know, Milwaukee's culture. So I wasn't here this weekend. I was at a bachelor party in the Wisconsin Dells, which maybe I can talk about. I, I don't know. I don't know if we need a bachelor party recap. I, I, had, I had a lot of fun. It was a great time. Uh, so love celebrating my guy, Mike. Uh, I'm not going to get myself in trouble. Like the last bachelor party where I called some people cake eaters and it was found out by those people, which was bad look by me. I should have should have kept that in house. I uh, kept that to myself. I forget that my friends listen to this podcast sometimes. And they're like, you know, so. but hey, look, it is what it is. Uh, no, good, good time had by all. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, great weather for the Dells uh, besides the random rain showers, but they really didn't affect what we were doing, whether it was golfing, boating, drinking, like we were, it was all good, man. And so it was good to see everybody and a lot of fun. I didn't realize the, the Dells bar, bar scene was like that. Uh, I, I, cause I don't know. I, it was kind of weird. Last time I did a bachelor party in the Dells, we didn't really hit the bars and 
it feels like we missed out. Like, I, I feel like I should have known this before, but like they're a great, great time. And there's a ton of bachelorette parties and bachelor parties and just everybody partying and getting after it. And it kind of, it, it, I, I would assume this is what it's like at like a Jersey Shore, right? Uh, all summer, or it's like all summer, it's just like this. And I, I don't know anyone who's worked at the Dells. If there is somebody who's worked as like a bartender or a bouncer at the Dells, I would love to do a podcast. Just just talking to you about like your experience, the worst things that you've seen, some of the craziest things you've seen. Like I have to think there are so many fucking stories uh, from those places because they're all they're all nuts, right? We went to Showboat, we went to Nigel's, which is an, another name as well that I'm not gonna say. Which it's wild that that name is still allowed to be allowed to be kept in uh, in capacity here in 2023, and they sell T-shirts. Uh, wild, wild shit. Uh, and then Mama's Garage, which ended up, we were there twice, uh, which was a great, great fucking time, which I think they're uh, part of that showboat family. And man, oh man, we had a lot of fun. Uh, so good times had by all. Um, that's why this podcast is late. I, I said that it's open, but man, I am struggling uh, today. But it's ironic we were gone because the guy we were celebrating, my guy Mike, hates Harley Davidson. Just does not like motorcycles, not a huge fan of it, doesn't like the noise. Uh, so it was ironic that that was the weekend we did it. Um, so I missed out on, on Harley Fest, but for good reason. It seems like everybody had a great time. It seems like it was a lot of fun. It was very successful. The images from the Green Day Foo Fighters concerts, the images from Brady Street were special. Makes you proud to be a Milwaukee. But there was a lot of complaints about you know the traffic, the noise, the you know staying up at night, all this other stuff. And what I, I sort of have to say to that is grow up. It's not COVID anymore. Yeah, we, there are crowds, all right? Milwaukee is a vibrant city in the summer, right? It is a loud city in the summer. It is hyphy, not necessarily because it's not from here, but because this is the time for Milwaukee to shine. This is the time to be the most proud of this city. I guess proudest, proudest would probably have been better grammatically there, but it doesn't matter. It, it's the time to shine in the city. And this is exactly what Harley Davidson did. And then someone's like, well, the Blue Angels are here next weekend. And then, you know, obviously you have Brady Street Days the following weekend. And I do think by August, you kind of take a little bit of a break, right? I, I, there's events, like there's Zoo Alcard and stuff like that. Oh, let's stay fair. But like, so, you know, it doesn't stop. And that's, that's what Milwaukee is. That's what Milwaukee has always been. So some of these complaints, it's just, it's wild to me that people are this unhappy. You should be proud of your city having all of this stuff and that it's a sprawling metropolis and that people wanna visit this city. And that's what Milwaukee has been known for forever. And I know that COVID interrupted it and that for two, two years really, COVID sort of slowed everything down and that we didn't have all of these events, that we didn't have something to do every weekend that you could pick out the weekend and be like i want to do something fun in, in milwaukee that is a street festival or is a community event or is, is just a farmer's market i just want to go to a farmer's market those are all available for you and i think we need to have that perspective and i'm not telling people to move out to the suburbs right but as somebody who is a suburbs resident for the first time in milwaukee yeah it's, it's a little not necessarily tough it's nice it's great you don't have some of the noise, 
But I also didn't run away from the noise. I just wanted a fucking house, like right, like that. That I never had a problem with all the noise. You just you just basically prepare for it. So whether that is you know having your AC unit running so you don't hear you kind of drown out you know the Harley sounds, right? Or it's you know making sure that maybe you take a trip that weekend. Maybe you find you know if you don't really like the noise and noise is going to bother you, maybe you you know, go up to Door County or you go to the Wisconsin Dells or you, you know, get out of the, the state in general. You know, maybe that's part of it. And it, you can plan this shit out, right? You can definitely do things to make it easier on yourself. Earplugs are great. Um, so it's like the, all this complaining is like, get out of the fucking bubble, right? Get out of this COVID bubble, enjoy it. Like, I, I think that if, even if you're not a huge fan of crowds, you could have probably found areas of Brady Street that were not packed to the rafters, right? And just admire sort of the amount of people that love this city that aren't even from this city, right? I, I, I don't know how many people I talk to when you talk about Milwaukee and they're like, oh, I love that city. I don't see a lot of people that have bad words to say about Milwaukee. And maybe that's narcissistic of me and my city, but I, I really feel that way. I really feel like they... They are, you know, it's it's a special city, especially in the summertime. So it's a little PSA, a little eight minute, five minute, whatever it may be to just say, hey, stop talking shit about us. All right. Like enjoy, embrace it. And if you really don't like it, figure out a way to basically purge yourself of it, if you will. I mean, and let's also remind, remind everybody it's going to get worse. <laughs> like The Republican National Convention's next year. And that is going to be packed to the goddamn gills for two weeks that's a long time that the national convention is not something that is just a one weekend thing that is a two weekend extravaganza and and with all the, the climate of where we are right now as a culture as well as just the overall you know packed nature of things it's going to be a really Everybody needs to kind of start preparing now, in my opinion. Like, I think you need to start thinking about, all right, do I do I want to embrace this chaos or do I want to, you know, go elsewhere for a couple of weeks? I, I, and that's your choice. So we'll see. All right. That does it for today. Back tomorrow. Uh, we're going to talk Packers tomorrow. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of do what we did last week where Brewers first, Packers second. I have a great Packers topic for you that I want to explore and get ahead of my guy, Bill Simmons, because uh, it's it's his sort of thing, but, and I know he'll probably come up with something or have this topic, but I, I want to get ahead of it. Uh, so I'm being built to the punch while he's on vacation. Um, maybe we'll talk a little Bucks too. I have a Bucks topic kind of brewing as well. Uh, and then, yeah, get uh, get ready for anything else and we'll, uh, we'll soldier out. All right, take care guys. Have a great Monday uh, and thanks for bearing with me as I recover from uh, my weekend. Have a good one. See you. Bye.